Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. You know, a woman at 76 years of age who had never been to church in her whole life, who was married to an atheist, who, who, whenever she asked about God, would just say, no, you're not going to church, and if you go to church, you can't be with me. Beautiful man, but just an atheist. And when he passed away, she just went, you know what? I'm going to go to church. And um, at 76 years of age, she walked through that back door and she said to us later, she said, the love of God was palpable. The love of God was palpable in this place. What else could I do when I'm baptized in such love than to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ? And at 76 years of age, beautiful Pat stood on this altar crying her eyes out and gave her heart to Jesus Christ. In two years, that woman, to me, she's the grandmother of our church. What would we do without Pat? But what if Pat never beheld his glory? What if Pat never walked in here and felt the palpable love of God? What if she went to a religious church and experienced religion or experienced a place that didn't have that love? How different would her story have been? How important is it for us as Christians to carry in us and with us and around us the very presence of God, the very glory of the King who died for us, We can talk about it, we can do connect groups about it, we can read about it, we can study it. But to me, if you wanna know how to find your identity in Christ, if you wanna know Christ, the greatest way to know Christ is to behold Him, is to be with Him. The scriptures say, we we will behold the one that we, we will be like the one whom we behold. And whatever you worship, you become like. So the greatest, the greatest desire should be in our hearts that we would be like Him, that we would be like Him. So we read the Word, we study the Word, we let the Word go into us through the Born Identity course and we're becoming like Him, we're becoming like Him. But when we get into a worship like we just did then, and we're worshiping God and we, we're beholding Him, it's, it's like as we behold Him, we're actually being transformed, the Word of God says, from glory to glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into His image. Amen? Let's have a look at this scripture here that I've got written. Revelations Four, four, uh, sorry, four, one to two. After this, I looked, 
And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Let's go to this scripture. 1 John 3.2 We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Look at this one, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with open faces, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. What does this scripture mean when it says, but we with open face? What does open face mean? In the scriptures, open face means that we are being unveiled because it says that there's a veil over the minds of unbelievers that stop them from seeing the glory of God. But as we become Christians, we are being unveiled. Any of you feel lately like you're being unveiled? I mean, this morning, this altar... Thank you so much, Ra, for giving out that challenge, for saying to our church, you know, when someone does an altar call and says, you know, come, get blessed, get, you know, have a touch of God on you and experience God. The altar of God is so holy and so sacred. And Ra was saying this morning, why is it? That when we give out that call, even though we all know we need him so desperately that the same one or two people come to the altar and everybody else sits in their seats. Because he says we live in a Western culture where we just hide everything and we pretend and we, we think it's okay and we try to be okay and we don't want to admit that we're weak and that we have things that we need to bring to God. But how wonderful this morning that he puts the challenge out. Come on, we've all got things that we need. We all want to get closer to God when we put the challenge out for an altar call. Come to the altar of God and surrender your heart unto God. And see the changes that he can bring. You know, it's not enough just to hear the preaching of the word. You know, that preaching of the word's got to go down deep inside of you. And there's nothing more powerful than the altar of God. When, when God's spirit meets with your spirit and connects and he writes that on your very heart. It's not just that he writes it on your heart. He transforms us and we get unveiled with open face, we behold Him with open face. Each time we come into our presence, there's another veil being removed. There's another veil being removed. Do you think that you've got it now? You know, the angels in heaven, it says that there's living creatures in heaven and they're going around the throne room. And as they go around the throne, they're going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy. Why are they saying that? Because every time they go around, they're seeing another facet of God. And they go, oh, holy, holy, holy. And we're going to be doing that for eternity. For eternity, we're just be going, we're going to be going, Holy, holy. Every time you come into the presence of God, there should be a holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There should be another veil that's removed. There should be another facet of God that you see. And as you see that facet of God, you become like Him. When you have a revelation 
of a facet of the nature of God. It's like that revelation comes into you and you are transformed again into His image at another level, at another, at another place of your heart. Amen? So with open face, we get unveiled. And then it says this, with open face, we're beholding the glory of the Lord. Do you know that, as I just said a moment ago, that we have direct access to the glory of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is right now in this room. It's right here, right now. I can feel it. It's tangible. It's tangible. The glory of God, the presence of God, the glory of God. And we have direct access to that glory anytime we want to. At any time, in any place, we can behold the glory of God and be changed by it. You know, I've had times where I've been driving my car and then a song will come on and I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with the love of God and the glory of God that fills my car. I literally have to pull to the side of the road and just sit there and just like sometimes weeping, weeping in His presence is... His glory reveals another facet of Him. And in turn, it reveals another facet that I need of Him so much in my life to make me more like Him. I remember one day I was just driving past the land actually during the week after dropping Gemma to the bus stop and this song was playing and I was just like, oh my God. And I just pulled over to the side of the road over here and I was just like weeping in my car and I just rolled the seat back and I'm just like, oh God, I love you so much. And next time I heard this knock on the window and this, this woman had sort of double parked next to me out the front here and she's going, are you okay? Like, you're not going to hurt yourself or anything, are you? <laughs> and I, you know, and I just said, oh, actually, I'm just praying. And the love of God is so much in my car that I'm weeping. And she goes, okay, well, have a nice day. You know, it's like, <laughs> I was just, because I was just overwhelmed beholding the glory of God that, that I can access at any time and, and let me say this, when you, when you feel that you've, you've entered into a place where the glory of God is there, don't rush away from that. I mean, you know, seize the moment, you know, take that moment. There, there are moments that you may never get back. You know, just stop, just wait, just be with God. You know, I remember when we were, you know, we were first you know, pioneering the church and it was hard, it was hard going and we were getting a lot of like weird phone calls and hate mail and all kinds of stuff and death threats and, and witches cursing us and we had people doing war dances around our house. It was just like bats flying in the windows. It was just like, whoa, okay, yeah. And you know, and I've just like, you know, I've got little kids, I've got a baby, and I'm just like vacuuming the house, trying to get things done as mothers do. You know, just trying to get my house clean, get, trying to get things in order. And I just hear God say, stop, turn off the vacuum cleaner, come away with me. And I said, God, I just haven't got time right now. You know, I've got the baby down. She's going to wake up in half an hour. If I don't get this vacuuming done, it's not going to get done. 
And he just said, Julie, come away with me right now. And so I turned the vacuum cleaner off. I put some worship music on and I just laid out on my lounge room floor in all the dust. And, and, I just, and he came. And you know, I tangibly felt, this is the truth, I tangibly felt feathers come over me and cover me and I actually felt the feathers on my skin, on my face. I felt the feathers. And I just heard him say to me, I'm going to cover you under the shadow of my wings. I'm covering you under my wings. Like that. And I just lay there. I never wanted to move. And then he lifted his, the wings off and I stood up and I went, wow. And the phone rang and it was the most abusive phone call I've ever had in my life. It was just the most abusive phone call I've ever had in my life. It was just like this woman cursing me, cursing my children, cursing my husband. I just stood there and went, and it was just like, no effect. And I went, have a nice day, like that. And just walked away like I was just like, in a, you know, and it was that moment. It was like, what if I would have been just, no, God, I can't, I'm vacuuming. Get the call, ah, beat up. You know, it's like those moments of glory are just so, so precious. They're so, so beautiful. We have that entrance into that. Then there's other times when it's not just the glory of God, but then it's the Shekinah glory. Now, that, that's another level of glory where the Shekinah glory is the weight of His glory, where we can behold Him and be in glory and be in that place where there's a, a sense of his presence and there's a sense of his glory. But then it can go to times where it's just so thick that it's called the Shekinah glory of God. It's the weight of his glory. I don't know if you've ever experienced the weight, the Shekinah glory of God, but I tell you what, it's like, it is like a weight. It's like a weight. It's like Something comes on, you just go, oh. You know when people fall over in the spirit? You know, sometimes that's just the glory of God. Just like, it's too heavy. It's wow. It's good. It's like, <laughs> this is so beautiful. I just want to. And there's times like that where you just got to stay and surrender. Because he wants to put his Shekinah glory. There's been times where I've just laid on the floor of the church and I just feel the weight of his glory going through me, transforming my inner being. I feel the weight of his glory on me and I know that I'll be changed when I get up. I know when I get up, I'll be different. You can't, you can't do that any other way. There's no way you can do that by just practicing Christianity or reading your Bible every day or praying when you're supposed to pray because you have to. There's something about this glory, this presence of God that we have access to as children of the Most High God that we need to access more often so that we are being transformed into His image. Amen? It says in 1 Kings 8.11, and the priests could not perform their services. Another translation says, and the priests could not stand because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. You know, we've lived through revival and we, we've seen days when no one could stand in the whole church. 
where the cloud of his glory filled the temple and it was just like everybody's just on their faces. We've had, we had a time like that only a month ago. Uh, was it a month ago? It was Jamie worshipping, wasn't it? Oh, it's two months ago. She's been gone that long. Three months ago, maybe. She's worship leading, and and I just felt in my spirit the Lord saying, "Get down on your face, like just get on your face." And I'm down on my face, and I looked like that, and I noticed Phil was down on his face. I thought, "That's nice. He's heard God the same as me." What I didn't realize that someone told me later that actually it was the whole leadership team were down on their faces together in the presence of God, in the glory of God, that we'd all heard God and we're all down there. And I just, I just think that's transforming power. Like you, you know you're in a good place when your leadership team will lay on their face in the presence of God and be obedient to His Spirit and be filled with God and want God more than anything else in their lives. Just want God more than anything else. You're in a good place. And that's why we're such a great church. That's why. That's why. I'm glad you all agree with me. I can hear you all cheering right now. Yes. It says that as we behold him with open faces, it says that we are changed into that same image. The present tense here, into the same image, implies a gradual transfiguration, a mystical and spiritual change, which is produced in us while we contemplate Christ. Listen to that again. It is a gradual transfiguration, a mystical and spiritual change, which is produced in us while we contemplate Christ. And then the scripture says we are being changed into the same image. And then it says from glory to glory. And I love this because our spiritual assimilation to Christ comes from His glory and it issues glory into us. Do you get that? So as we behold Him, we're changed from glory his glory, to our glory. There's a transference of glory from His glory, which He gives to us, and it becomes our glory. It becomes the glory of Christ in us. It becomes Christ in us. It becomes being changed from glory to glory into His image. So the facet of Him that we behold with an unveiled face, the glory of God, as we behold Him, the glory that is on Him is transferred into our being. And we then assimilate that glory into our being and that facet of us becomes like Him. Then we're in Christ in another place in our lives. Amen. Do you get that? Amen. I, am, I have ordered reading glasses, by the way, if you're wondering. I'm struggling. But I've ordered them. It's all right. I'm bowing my knee. It's all good. Unless you want to pray for me later. It says here in Ephesians 1, 17, 19, 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. You know, there's a transference of glory that we become like him and then we can become ourselves in Christ in all our glory. Because what he wants to do is put his glory in us, that we become like him, but we become like the facet of him that we are designed to be in our natural personality, in our natural giftedness. For instance, last Sunday, Luke grabbed me by the arm and he had a little teary in his eye, as he does, Mr. Boyd. And he said, you've got to come and see this. You've just got to come and see this. And he dragged me up the back. And there was Meg and Edmund, who were on door greeting duty, standing outside because the service had started and we were worshipping, but they were still on duty waiting to greet people. They were standing on the porch holding hands and they were worshipping God together out on the porch. And both of us just stood there and just filled up with tears, just go, that is the most beautiful sight ever. That these, you know, what were they doing? They were beholding his glory. They were receiving his glory. And then they were being glory on the earth. They They were manifesting something on the earth that was so glorious in all their glory. (laughs) But what if, what if Meg had never come to this church? What if she'd never brought Edmund here and Edmund had never surrendered his heart to Christ? What if they never had received that glory? What, who, who had the glory on them enough that got to Meg and Edmund? Who had been with Jesus enough and got that glory on them enough that that some part of his glory and the glory that they are to the earth was manifest that changed someone's life? I, I, I think sometimes like, I mean, I'm just listening to Doug tonight. You brought me to tears, Doug. How long have I waited for that, for the glory of Doug in all his glory? This shy little boy that doesn't want to be seen by anyone and scared to make a noise in case someone looks at him. And a couple of years ago, and I was at a, I was at a meeting and this, you know, great, prophet was prophesying over Phil and I. He said, you're going to raise up Joshua's. You're going to raise up this next generation. They're going to do this. And there's one particular person. There's one particular person in your church that's going to be a Joshua worshiper. And you're going to, you're going to raise this one up. You're going to, and I knew instantly it was Doug. I knew it was Doug. 
And I came back to Doug. I said, guess what, Doug? You've been chosen by God to be a Joshua worshiper and your voice is going to go out. And he's going, me? Me? It's exactly what you said, isn't it? Me? You sure you got that right, Pastor Julie? I'm shy. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even sing that good. And, and when I sing on the microphone, I sing this far away because I'm so scared of it. You sang, you sang tonight right on top of that, baby. And you did it. You did it. And what a sound. You see, if the glory didn't get on that man and he didn't in his glory prophesy over us, and then in my glory, I receive that. And then I, in my glory that I've been with Jesus, I interpret that. And then I go to Doug and I say, Doug, and then, you know, a couple of years later anyway, Doug goes, oh, here I am then. Because why? Because we're all working out of the glory that he's given us because we're tra being transformed into his glory and we're transforming others. While we're being transformed, we're transforming others. You know, Luke Boyd, again, I'm going to pick on you. Stand up, Luke. Look at his beautiful face. I love this face. Turn around. Look at them. Like. Luke, how old are you now? 33. Shivers. Okay. <laughs> that was when Jesus, he said that's when Jesus was crucified. Um, okay. Picture Luke. Picture Luke as a 14-year-old boy. And we're at a revival meeting at this church and we've all gone to this other church, our youth group, to this other church. And someone comes up to Pastor Phil and said, one of the kids that we brought with us with our youth group is freaking out. He's freaking out. And I think he's going to faint. I think he's like, he's like, it looks like he's having a heart attack or something. And you, he's hyperventilating and Pastor Phil, you need to come and pray for him. So Phil went out and there's this guy outside getting some air because he thinks he's hyperventilating, but actually he's being touched by God. And Pastor Phil explains to him, no, this is God all over you, buddy. Like he's hot and he's just like, oh, he's like the power of God's all over him. He's shaking. And, and Pastor Phil explains to him, no, this is, this is the glory of God. This is God on you. You need to give your heart to Jesus. And so Luke out on the grass, in your minor, gives his heart to Jesus with Pastor Phil. And Pastor Phil, in his really subtle style, filled! And he's laying out on the grass in the street, in your minor. And that was his baptism into fire. And he's never had dignity since. Amen. And he will become more undignified than this, I hope, in Jesus' name. Now he's 33 years old. Now, what if? What if someone in that youth group never had the glory on them enough to invite Luke? What if that night, you know, Pastor Phil would have just went, oh, we'll just take the kid home. He's probably needs to, you know, he's probably had some drugs or something. You know, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know, the glory of God on us can transform lives and we don't know if we would take time to be with Jesus and behold Him and become like Him, what effect is that going to have 
not just on our own lives, not just like, oh, that was beautiful. I was with Jesus and he changed my own life. He spoke into my life. He's transforming me from glory to glory. He's healing me. He's fixing my broken heart. He's healing my past. He's healing my pain. He's healing my body. He's healing my mind. But then it doesn't stop there. Then the glory of God is just so on you that where you go, you become glory on the earth and then you become the manifested glory on the earth and you become the glory that you're supposed to show in your personality in your you know for who you are and your calling that you called for in the first time I remember the first time Ra walked into the church and um, you know he was very sheepishly walking in and I think I was I think I was preaching that day. I'm not sure. I must have been because I had the mic. <laughs> so I just snatched it. I don't know. Sometimes I do. And, you know, he just sheepishly walking in. You know, I've never spoken to this guy before. I know that he visited the church the week before, and I think we were away. And I'd never spoken to this guy before. I knew nothing about him. But, you know, I'd been with Jesus, and the glory of God was on me. And, you know, when you've been with Jesus, you'll start to hear his heartbeat. You'll start to feel his love for humanity. You'll start to feel his love for your brothers and sisters in the church. You know, you'll start to get real and be real, like Ra said this morning, and just become unveiled, become open, and become and become a person who's willing to take risks. You know, faith is is spelled R-I-S-K. It's spelled faith is spelled R-I-S-K. A person that's willing to take risks. So I see Ra. I just have a heart for him. I'm just going, oh my heart is hurting for this guy so bad I don't know what you're saying here God but I'm just going to take a risk I've got, no, I've got nothing in my head and I just go that man there I want to pray for you and it's like okay I don't know what I'm going to pray I'm just taking a risk but I just know that Jesus' heart is breaking for this guy and he comes down to the altar and then just all of a sudden it's just like you know I knew nothing about Ra I didn't know Ra who had had an incredible ministry, had preached in some of the greatest youth rallies. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that he'd been beat up, you know, in ministry and that he'd been running from God and he, and he, and he wanted to deny the call of God on his life and that he'd been, you know, saying he's never going to go back to the call of God on his life. I didn't know that he'd walked into this church thinking, you know, I'm not going to go back to the call of God on my life. I'll just go to church and try and hide in this crowd. I didn't know that. But there he is standing on the altar. And I said, in the name of Jesus, why are you running? What are you doing? You know, you think you're Samson and your hair's being cut off. But I want to tell you this, your hair is not being cut off. And, and you still have the call of God that God put on you originally. And the vision that you had when you were a kid. I didn't know he had a vision when he was a kid. You know, of becoming a great evangelist and saving souls. I didn't know that. And he's crying. Now he's on the floor. He's crying and he's shaking. And he just goes, you know, he's been, he's been apprehended by the love of God because one silly woman who's just like, you know, just so in love with Jesus, being with Jesus and so in love with him is willing to take a risk because I care enough about the pain that I feel in my heart for this guy and I'm willing to take a risk. You know, Sean Boltz talks about taking risks and reaching out to people and how he had to practice that. You know, we all have to practice it and you make mistakes sometimes, but we just think, oh no, I'll make a mistake, so I just not, I'm never gonna step out. And, you know, Sean Boltz, one of the greatest prophet, prophetic people of our time, he now, you know, he prophesies his names, phone numbers, addresses, 
he prophesies in different languages. Like he's amazing, but he's just this really humble guy because why? Because he learned on the road of hard knocks and making mistakes and just having a go out in the street. And so, you know, he walks into this coffee shop this day and just the day before, he'd been getting all these prophecies right. He'd been calling people out and saying amazing things and, you know, and he just walks into this coffee shop. He gets a heart for the guy that's making the coffee. His heart starts to beat a little faster. He feels like he can't keep, you know, from looking at this guy. He gets, okay, God's on this guy. God's on this case. And so he just gets this impression, you know, Stephen, his brother, and he goes, okay. So as he's making his coffee, he says, hey, have you got a brother named Stephen? And he goes, nah. And Sean just goes, okay, I missed that one. And he just like, he goes, okay, sorry, no worries. See you later. You know, he just like creeps off and feels really embarrassed. But he said it's worth the risk. And he sits down having his coffee. And this guy comes over and he said, hey, buddy, why did you ask me if I got a brother named Stephen? And he said, oh, you know, like I'm a Christian. And I hear from God for people sometimes. So sometimes I get it wrong. And today I got it wrong. But I just really felt for you, you know. And the guy sits, pulls his chair out, sits down. And he said, you know what? I've been wanting to ask questions about God for so long. And I didn't know who to ask. Or Can you answer some questions for me? And he goes, sure thing. And so they sit there for like 15 minutes. He answers his questions. The guy gives his heart to the Lord. He's got his head on the table, weeping his way into the kingdom of God because Sean Bolt's made a mistake. <laughs> That's a pretty good mistake. Isn't that a good mistake? I love it. I mean, Dave Hall, is, are you here, Dave? He's at home with the boys. He let you out. I mean, even this morning, you know, just hearing Dave, you know, do a giving message this morning, you know, man, I mean, this guy just looks, you know, you think, well, you know, but God sees something, you know, something. And then Pastor Phil sees that something. And Pastor Phil says, no, Jules, I want him to do a giving message, something on this guy. I see it. I see it. I see the glory. See, the glory in me sees the glory in him. The glory, I've been with the one who is glorious and his glory is on me. And because his glory is on me, I'm like, I've got something going on, a radar. A radar that, that recognizes glory in other people and just goes, you know, Dave, you need to do a giving message. And I'm going, okay, all right. And so we put him on the roster. He gets up here in, in, today in, in all his glory. A guy that probably, you know, other people would just walk past and not even see. But because Pastor Phil's been with God, he sees it and he releases it. I remember the first time that I saw Katrina, and she came, we were having some revival meetings in the tent outside, just before we had a building, in Katrina, come to some revival meetings, and my heart just went, oh, you know, the glory on me saw something so glorious in her, you know, and I'd say, there's something on you, there's just something so awesome on you. It wasn't long later that she was, you know, we hired her in the, in the office, but you know, that wasn't all. As I'm getting to know Katrina, I'm realizing that she has this incredible Sears gift where she can see into the spirit realm like no one I've ever known before. She can accurately see things over people's lives and she can bring freedom to the captives, you know, just through her words and through her insight. And she can break strongholds of people's lives. And I'm just going, I thought you were just a secretary. But the glory of God uncovers the glory of the person as they behold him. Katrina would be on every altar call crying before the presence of God. 
and it unraveled something inside of her. No, you're not just a secretary. You're actually a deliverer. You're actually, you know, a Isaiah 61 woman for the spirit of the living God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news. Amen. And now she comes, this incredible person, this incredible woman. Phil and Fleur, you know, Phil and Fleur, like, I mean, who would have thought that these Baptists, people that came into our church with earplugs and said that we will, we will continue to come to your church because God told us to, but we will wear earplugs. Who would have thought that, you know, in their ministry, within their hearts, they would end up being the prayer pastors of our church who are training up prayer warriors, who are, who are ministering, healing and deliverance to many people who are, yesterday we went to another church, you know, our team, and prayed. These guys, these guys here, prayed from 11 o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night, nonstop. They had a quick salad in the middle while they were going for another church, for another pastor, for another ministry team, because the glory of God is on them. And today we got the message from that pastor, my church is different, that we've broken through, the, the darkness has moved. We've got a big breakthrough. I feel like I'm not gonna give up the ministry now. I'm gonna keep going because these people who had been with God took their glory of God and went and just served and loved people and, and, and used what God had inside of them. What better thing could you do with your life than to worship God, behold His glory, get a transference of glory, let that glory transform you then walk out into a community, into a hurting world, into your brothers and sisters in Christ and go, you know what? I feel God's heartbeat for you because it's inside me, because I'm in Christ. He's, Christ is in me, therefore his heart is beating in me. Therefore, therefore I hear his words in my head and I've got to speak them. Therefore, you know, I'm just, I want to embrace you, you know, so much. It's, it's, we've got to take risks, Amen. We've got to take risks with one another. We've got to, we, you know, this is transforming us, this glory to glory. And the more that we're in the presence of God, we're being transformed. But don't keep that glory to yourself. Don't just, you know, dance around with Jesus and then dance past the sinners. And don't dance past the hurting and the lost and the broken. Don't dance past the ones in your own church who are sitting next to you who are broken and hurting and needing a word from the Lord. Don't wait for the pastors to do it. You are the pastors. We're all called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might have a word or a or, a, or a, a cuddle or, you know, you could cook a cake for someone. I can't cook cakes. No. I invited the youth leadership team to my house a couple of weeks ago, and they will tell you I cannot cook eggs. But they all loved it anyway because I was not in all my glory in my cooking, but I was in my, all my glory as a mother's heart, and I just loved on them. You might, have, you might be able to do something to someone or someone that I've never, I can't do. And if we all wait for the ministry to do it, 
If we all wait for those that have all, they've got the glory, they can do it. Pastor Julie will prophesy over that one. Pastor Julie will love that one. Take a risk. Just take your risk. As God is transforming you through this course in your connect groups, in church, and in the worship, that's so amazing. Worship's just getting better and better and better. Just press into that. And as God's transforming you, let the glory out. Let it out. We're being transformed from glory to glory with ever-increasing glory into His image. And I know it's an old saying, but what would Jesus do? If Jesus is in me, if Christ is in me, if I am made in the image of Him, what would He do if He was walking the streets of my town, of my school, of my university, of my workplace? Would He walk past or would He stop? Would he be embarrassed or would he take a risk? And when he was tired and he felt like he had nothing else to give, would he go up to the mountain and be with his father again? Nothing I do, I do by myself. It's only my father and my father in me. It's me and my father. It's the glory of God. It's God in me and me in him because we're one and that's how it works. And then he would come down off the mountain. He would give out the glory again. Then he'd go up the mountain. It's me and my father. It's my father and me. I do nothing outside of my father. And then he'd come down and then he would minister. Then he would draw away into a secret place. It's me and my father. It's my father and me. It's this relationship. It's this relationship. It's this relationship. It's this glory. It's this glory. And then out of that place, he comes down, heals the sick, raises the dead cast out demons. He said, freely you have received, then freely give. Freely you have received, then freely give. It only takes one moment, one prayer, one word. You know, a few weeks ago, I was just in my, in my I go to dance class just because I love to be around unsaved people, mainly and because I want to keep fit and because I love to dance. So that all works for me. And there was a a new girl that came in that just was trying out dancing for the first time and the only time because she didn't come back. And I I, I felt my heart starting to go and I felt the heat starting to rise and I felt the heart of Jesus for this girl and her two kids as she came in. And I'm just thinking, I'm in dance class. How am I going to do this? And so while they were all over there getting ready for class, I went, oh, hi, you know, I'm Julie. Nice to meet you. It's great. You know, don't worry. It's your first time. I'll help you with dancing. We can get in the back row together. Don't worry. I'll help you out. And she's going, oh, you're so kind. Thanks so much. And then she started telling me about her life and what she does for a living. And then she says, what do you do for a living? And I just said, oh, like, I'm a pastor, and I was about to say I'm a minister because most people think you're spaghetti if you say pastor. They don't really get it. You're a pastor? Yeah. No, you know, I'm a minister. I said, I'm a pastor. She said, ah, I've been looking for a church. You know, I've been searching for a church for me and my kids. You know, I need my kids. And I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 16, and I'm 29 now. And, you know, I, I, I only stayed in the church for a couple of years, and I've had a rough life, but... 
you know, now I'm 29, I'm looking for God again, and God just puts you there. You know, I took a risk to just come out of my world, like, oh no, this is my dance class, this is my time, sorry God. You know, this is me, this is my special time away from the ministry, you know. No, there's no time away. Every day they're there, these beautiful souls, moments, opportunities, just right there, right there, right there, waiting for one person who loves enough to just speak, to just take a risk. And I just said, hey, why don't you come to our church? Kids would love it. Here, you know, here's some info. I'm going to call you this week, and I'll, tell, and I'll, I'll remind you. I did, and I called her. It's Sunday tomorrow. You're coming to church. I'll meet you at the door. It's going to be awesome. She turns up at church. I didn't realize she was here. I was preaching. I couldn't see her in the congregation. She was sitting at the back. And when I did the altar call, I just see this girl crying her eyes out, just coming down to the altar. And I just go, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, thank you. It's been two weeks. She's been to the women's conference. She's got a Bible that she's reading. She's in a connect group now. She's being transformed. She's been in every service since. Like, she's just absolutely loving it. She just can't thank me enough. Her kids run up to me, wrap their arms around my legs and think, thank you, Nana, because I, I said they could call me Nana. Oh, it's so cute. I could eat them up. They're gorgeous. And they're just wrapping around my legs. Thank you, Nana. We found a home. We found a place because I took a risk. Is that good? So good. You know, just as the, as the team come, I want to tell you one more story. And then we're just going to worship for a minute. Where's Jeremy Jones? Is he coming up? He's coming up the back way. Jeremy Jones. His mother was, is in heaven now, probably one of the most, you know, one of the most beautiful women that we've known. But one day she took a risk, and it was way back in 1990, I think it was about 94, 93, 94, somewhere, somewhere around there. Hey? When we were going to move? Okay, 1988. So we're going to church. We're living in Wyong. We're going to church at Erina where all our friends are, all our trendy friends, and we live in Wyong. And we're traveling over to Erina to our trendy friends. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and we go out to dinner with them and we go to the movies with them and all, we, we're in Wyong. And we, we just go, why did we move here? Like, you know, I said to Phil, where have we moved? Because we moved up from Sydney. We had no idea of the areas or it was just a good house in a cheap area. And, um, and we're looking around the streets and everybody's sort of depressed and oppressed. And it's like, no one dresses like me. I go up to Wang Plaza and I look like the Ritz. And, you know, it's like, and I just, this is the way it used to be, by the way. It's not like that now, obviously. But back in 1988, that's what it was like. And just like, you know, and, and it was just so heavy and oppressive. And, and so Phil and I, we're in our lounge room this day. This is the absolute truth. We're in our lounge room this day and we're talking about, you know what? We need to sell up and we need to go where all the good people are. We need to go and move near our friends. And, and, and then we're talking about how can we afford a house over there and how much are we going to get? We're talking about it. And we hear this knock at the door. And I open the door, 
And there's Jeremy's mom, Robin Jones. And she went, she went to the trendy church. She was one of the trendy church people. And she had driven from Erina to Wyong because she was driving her car and she heard God speak to her to take a risk and come and say something to us that she didn't even know was right or not. And she was standing at my door, she was shaking, and she's saying, I feel so embarrassed, I just feel so weird about this because I'm not very good at this and I don't do it that often, but I'm trying to learn how to move in my prophetic gift, is that okay? But I was at Erina, God spoke to me to come here and tell you this, why are you gonna look for a mission field when there's one in your backyard? That's all she said. I hope that means something to you. And she just ran away. And I just shut the door and went back to feel like both of us, tears in our eyes. Looks like we're staying. Looks like we're staying. I wonder today, would this church even be here if a little woman named Robin Jones, who was petrified, didn't take a risk and come and say words that she'd never even understood what she was saying? Because why? Because she'd been in the presence and the glory of God. Then this whole thing might exist because one little woman took a risk. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.